Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a moment and relax and put aside anything else that's going on. If you need to relocate or settle your mind or something else is going on that you really need to make space for it, give it attention, take care of it, and then come on back. These podcasts are always available, so you don't need to stop everything you're doing if it's something that's distracting you because we want you to be able to be fully available to what God is doing. Part of You know, we repeat a lot of these things over and over and over again, and that repetition is part of training your mind, your soul, your mind, will, and emotions to listen to your spirit, not to what I'm saying, but to your spirit. Because your spirit is always speaking life into your soul. And if we can get life going from the spirit and life going from the natural, because you're listening with your natural ears, your soul is kind of in the middle and will will encounter life from both sides. And remember, that's what we're looking for, is our soul to be transformed and conformed by the renewing of our mind, by our our will and emotions being healed and brought into oneness with our spirit that's already one with God. Everything else is simply part of the process. Your wholeness, your oneness, your healing, your believing truth, On the one level, we can say perfection, even though that doesn't do a good job of describing the nature of God that's already in you. But you have the character of God himself in your spirit, and God wants that also in your soul and in your body. And we always bristle at that. That's that's grasping. That's too much to expect That's not what God is doing. Yes, it is. He's bringing you into the fullness of Christ, the fullness of God. He has already given you everything you need for life and godliness here on this earth. Why would he have already given it to you if he didn't want you to make great use of it, to learn how to use it? The the weapons of our warfare are available. The strongholds that he wants us to encounter and learn how to overcome they're in us they are out there as well but you know the real hard ones are in us and that's one of them thinking that you know just the whole idea of being in god you know joint heirs with christ you know thinking we're sons of god that that's an affront that's pride that's arrogance but if that's what God wants, it's not. If we're 
we're not grasping, we're not pursuing something apart from oneness with God. But have that expectation that everything that Jesus did while he was walking around here on this earth, you can do. Let's say, full stop, okay, you can do everything. So therefore, that's not our goal. To do what he's already done is not our goal. Our goal is far more personal. What is God's goal for you? And God's goal for you is that you would be one, spirit, soul, and body, in him. Now, you and I don't know what that looks like. We might have an idea, and we can get some idea from the way Jesus lived his life. He turned the world upside down. He didn't have armies. He didn't wear a crown. In fact, he was treated terribly. But people who even heard his words knew there was life. And the miracles and the power and authority he expressed got their attention. But what came after was knowing God, knowing the Father. And he changed the world by the, the purpose he had was to redeem, reconcile all present and future. Because you've got to remember, time is simply created, something Jesus created. When you create something, you have power and authority over it. So past, present, and future really had very little sway, was not impressed was not impressive to, to, to God, to Jesus. He was not at all concerned about past sins, present sin, future sins, sins that hadn't been committed, your sin, my sin. They were all the same to him when he paid the price for those. It was one time, that was it. The sin you have not committed, and we could talk about do we commit sin or do we just make mistakes since our nature has changed, but that's a whole other conversation. But whatever you, tomorrow you're going to, let's say you're going to commit a sin, that's already forgiven. So he does not want us to be focused on our sin, which is an activity, or our sin nature which no longer exists. Instead, he wants us focused on learning to live and move and have our being as sons of God. Now, how do we learn? We have a guidance counselor. You know, we have a comforter. We have everything. We have the manual. And the manual is not a written word. The manual is other people's experiences, it's the pattern that we learn from life. How do you learn anything? How did you learn to do math? And and things have changed, so I won't even start talking about how they learn now. But it used to be on your fingers and toes. Even the whole concept of tithing was based on you have ten digits. 
and it was based on counting, counting sheep. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And there are some cultures that are that their number system is based on the space between fingers. It's based on eight. So they count between the fingers. But that's how we learn. We pattern we learn the pattern based on our own experience, based on even our culture, and based on knowing God, which always goes back to learning the difference between our own emotions and being able to hear God's voice and differentiate it from our own voice, our own mind, our will, our emotions, our own soul. And we've used our analogy of of being in, in an unlocked cell. And we prefer to stay in the cell, even though it's unlocked, because we... Even though it's, it's a terrible place, it's a terrible existence, at least we know what to expect. And change is hard. But how do we know to leave that cell? Is we, first we've learned, okay, first that it's open. And maybe we've learned that because we see down the line somebody else left their cell. They pushed on it, maybe accidentally, and it swung open, and they left. And maybe then they left the whole room. And that leaves everybody else wondering, is my cell open? Everybody starts seeing all the cells are open. Everybody's cell is open. Doesn't matter whether you're a believer or not, whether you even believe in God. Hitler's cell was open. Mussolini, Stalin's, their cell was open. Everybody's cell is open. Your cell is open. But change is hard. Outside of yourself is healing and truth and learning to live, truly live, experience that eternal life. You already have, right now, you have all the eternal life you're ever going to get. But you know what? It makes you different. And so much of us, we we have it been, it's been ground into us to to be more worried about being deceived than having the confidence that God will prevent it. Who's more powerful? Is is the devil more powerful than God? If God doesn't want you deceived, he'll prevent it. Now, we all there's all we all believe things that aren't true. Because we have been depending on our soul, our soul's history. And our soul, we talk about the devil being a deceiver, and he is. And the, But the world system is also a deceiver, and our soul is a deceiver. Your soul will use fear, the fear of change, the fear of doubt, the fear of what if I make a mistake. The fear of missing God, of not being in his will, of disappointing him. To keep you in your cell. When God, what does God say? He said, come out. Come out from among them. You know, and the, the example of Jesus walking on the water and he calls to Peter. And Peter, when you think about it, he got out of that boat. He left his cell. 
and he wasn't even a Christian. He wasn't e- he didn't even have a new spirit yet. The amount of value that they put on the relationship of who Jesus was that they were experiencing at that level. You and I haven't even come anywhere close to that. But how did they get that? How did they get that desire? How did Peter get this desire to get out of the boat? Because he had been hanging around with the Son of God. He'd been eating with him. He'd been seeing what he was doing. He was seeing the the heart of the Father. He was seeing the truth and the simplicity of of truth, of life, of change, of what God's true intent was. And you have to remember these people, and this relates to us as well, the disciples that were hanging out with Jesus were so aware of all the laws that by then had accumulated that most had already given up with pleasing God because they knew they would never be able to, on their own, please God. And, you know, what do you do when you you feel like you failed is you come up with a way to overcome that failure. And this is why there was so many attempts to to try to fix things, and very often very misguided. You know, we, we need to overturn the government, and then God will come. Because, the, the, our, you know, we're, we're obeying the Romans, so if we, you know, wipe out the Romans, then we'll please God, and he will come, and he will restore us into our rightful place. They came up with their own solutions, and that's what you and I do. And we do it on a on a personal basis. That okay, this is how, this is what my life must look like in order for God to be pleased. And we do it in our religion, in our churches, in Christianity. Is we come up with. This is how, this is what church looks like in order for it to be pleasing to God. And then if it's pleasing to God, he will bless us and do this, 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 and this. When it's far more simple. God is spending all his time focused only on you. And he has all the time in the world. In fact, he has more than all the time in the world. Because he, if he needs more time, he just creates it. And guess what? You have more than all the time in the world, too. Because you're in him. You need more time? Create it. And he shows us how to do this. And sometimes it's it's within our own time frame. Like we have, tw- every one of us has 24 hours a day and a partial second or two. And we spend it the way we choose. Now, we all have different claims so this is not about you know you have to get rid of you know you can't go to work anymore you know because you need to spend that time spending time with god no god knows that it's not about the time that already has our claims it's about the time that doesn't have a claim on it 
you know, for those that, for instance, there's probably nobody who's spending more time pulled in, a, in multiple different ways than, than a mother with small children. They may have a total of five minutes a day that they can call their own. And that's all that God asks for then is that five minutes a day. Some others might have five hours a day. And he says, that's what I'm asking of you is five hours a day. And it's cause, so it's not about the amount. It's about what, he, what is God asking of you. And it's not, it's not a test. It's not a, you know, um, you do this for me and I'll do that for you. It's not a tit for tat. It's relationship, value. It's about, okay, you know, there's the, the saying, if, if you put God first, he'll put you first. No, he's already putting you first. And in, in your spirit, you're already one with him, so there's no second, third, or fourth. He is already all in all in you and for you. The spirit's not the problem. It's our soul. So say you're in that cell and you're learning. Your cell door is open. How do you leave? We, you know, here's one of the problems we have is we, we look for the motivation or the goal first. And, and that can be real helpful. But we've, our soul very often uses that as a way to convince us to not try. You know, that person left and they're, you know, they're probably facing these terrible challenges. Isn't it better to just stay here and stay, you know, where you know what's expected and you'll be fed and, and it's terrible food, but yes, you'll survive. And then you'll die and then you'll be with, with God. And I don't know that that's true. I don't know what's... None of us do. None of us knows what comes next. None of us knows what came before. But I do know that we have an opportunity to find out. How do we know? We know how to open the door, the, the cell door, because it, it opens. Because we've experienced, you lean on it, you push on it, and it opens. We've seen someone else lean on it or push on it and it opens maybe everybody's tried it and then they just shut it again real quick well you get used to okay opening it that's how we learn anything is by experience how do you go upstairs it's because how do you know how to go upstairs it's because you've gone upstairs before how do you know how to open a doorknob it's because you've opened a doorknob before how do you, using a key, turning your car on, driving, it, you know, talking on the phone. It's because you've done it before. Now, for you and I, leaving that cell, we have not been this way before. So it's scary. We don't know what's beyond. And you and I in ourselves, we can only see that there's a door. Now we can hear things going on. Sometimes it may sound like war out there. Sometimes it may sound like a party out there. Sometimes that may, may sound deadly quiet and crickets or, or birds or laughter 
or somebody calling our name. That's up to God, what we hear that's drawing us. But how do we know to leave? Based on how we've done it before. And very often it's just the simplicity of knowing, okay, once the, once the cell door is open, we walk. We simply put one foot in front of the other. And we walk, and we just keep walking. And if you get scared and you run back in yourself, fine. But tomorrow you're going to walk farther, and you're going to stick your head out the door. You go, okay, God, now what? So this is not about, you know, uh, overcoming your fears through your own willpower. God's not interested in your willpower. He already has it. He already owns your soul. He already owns your body. But the point of leaving is not just to leave, but to enter in. To join God in what he's doing. Not just what he's doing out there in the war or in the party or in the quietness. But it is leaving our, through leaving our cell that we make ourselves even more available. Now, he's already doing the healing while you're sitting in your cell. He's already doing your, the healing. He's already restoring your soul. But what did, we, what did we learn recently? That, you know, right now, he, let's say you've had these ABC wounds, a, 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 a fear wound, a fear of changing, a fear of getting hurt, a fear of rejection. And God, let's say God's already healed all those wounds. But you know what has happened around those wounds is you have developed bad habits. So because you still have those bad habits, you think you still have those wounds. Because there's still pain associated with those wounds. There's still the memories associated with those wounds. How do you overcome the bad habits, the memories, the pain? As you walk out of yourself. You test it. You see. Is, is leaving myself, is, is leaving that fear of rejection behind as painful as I, I thought it was going to be? Now sometimes, very often, when we are dealing with wounds, even if they're healed, there's very often going to be pain associated with it. Because our memories hold on to that pain. It's like if you learn, you know, we, how do we learn things? You know, very often it's through pain. Don't hit your thumb with a hammer. We learn that because we did it once. So now we're more careful with our hammer. So that's something our, our, our mind and our brain and our emotions, God, that's how he purposed us to function, is to remember. But then we understand that that fear that God has, that fear of rejection, for instance, that he has healed us from can no longer keep us from leaving the place where we're at, where the only thing we experience is the pain. Once we overcome that pain and we look back at the rejection, we look back at the memory, we look back at the fear, we have now overcome that. And we can even look back and experience pain again, 
that's fine. It doesn't mean what we thought it meant. And how do we find out all these things? Is we leave ourselves. We leave our expectations. We leave our expectations of who God is, of what he expects of us, of what, what our job is to, you know, the whole idea of pleasing him and being in the middle of, of his will. Those are things that our soul has created and our, our generation of Christianity and the culture and the family and the de- denomination. We get so entrenched in believing that this is truth. Rather, and God says, no, come out of the cell and test what you think is true. Because what is not of God will fade away. You don't have to bash it. You don't have to bash others that believe it. You don't have to reject them. But you can leave your cell and discover what God has for you. The life, the way, the truth, and the life that God has for your pathway. And that's going to be different than he has for anyone else. So we encourage one another. We encourage, not in the specifics, not in doctrine, but to step out of ourselves. And to, this, is, this is what Jesus says, is this is the way, walk ye in it, and come follow me. All you that are heavy laden, come. Those who want to know God, come. He knocks on the door, and we open, and he comes in. It's about relationship with him. Now, as a believer, he's already always there. And he reveals himself always, even in our cell. Now, for non-believers, he's there as well. There's no place he's not. And I don't know how he reveals himself to others and not to other, you know, to some and not to others. That's his business. I'm, I don't have to be worried about that. And in a sense, it's almost counterintuitive. But the more you sp- you spend, more time you spend paying attention to yourself and your relationship with God, the more you will ha- you will have an impact on other people's lives because the power and authority of God is more freely available to be used by your spirit in conjunction with God as he chooses. And we've used the example so many times. But as we come out of the cell, he says, come, sit down at the table, have dinner with me. And we listen and we learn and we learn from all others about their experiences. And he says, pass the salt. God says, pass the salt. And we pass the salt. He says, pass the green beans. And we pass the green beans. And he says, go, go heal that one. And we go and heal that one. We come sit back, back down. We'll pick up the story where it was. And he says, okay, now go raise the dead. And we go raise the dead. And we go turn that country upside down. And we go turn that upside down. It's all the same. Because it's all simply part of our day-to-day life experience with a living God. And each one of us, we are learning from one another, but he gives each one of us different instruction. 
different direction, different, and we, we go back to the desires that he's given us in our heart, the temperament that he gave in your soul. What are your strengths and weaknesses? He gave you the soul and the body that he wanted you to have. Not so that you can relate to other people or that you, you know, I, I love that he sent Paul to the Gentiles and Peter to the Jews. You'd think that it would be the exact opposite. And that's part of what we learn is that God does, exa- you know, so often the opposite of what we think he, he should do. I'm just thinking of that that illustration, you know, of the the school of the prophets. When when God was looking for someone to take the place of Elijah, he went and he visited the schools of the prophets. And he was looking for a replacement for Elijah, and he found none. None of the prophets that were going to the school to be to be prophets were trained his way. They were trained other people's ways. So he went out to the field and he picked somebody, you know, we could go into, okay, why did he pick Elisha? He want, you know, he saw in him what would serve him at the moment. And he picked him and he said, you, come with me. And he trained him in the way he should go for the purpose that he had for him, and the way God wanted him to be. God wants to train you. God wants to speak to you. God wants you, you he, he wants to prepare you for what he has for you tomorrow. But we leave ourselves, and we leave it based on what we already know. So think about your experiences in your life. What encounters, in fact, if you want to write this down, this can be a good homework for for this coming week. Write down the experiences you've had in your life. Just start with, you know, get a notebook. Each page, what experience, even when I was heard this song, it really spoke to me. Or I saw this vision. Whatever it is, just write it down first. Then go back and ask God, what was I to take away from, from that? Did I miss anything? Talk to me about that. And that's how you learned something that you now are putting into effect in your life. And the more we do that consciously and we recognize we are leaving ourselves and 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 going into the courtyard, then going into the countryside, then then walking down the street, Whatever direction God sends us in, we're going. We're, we're walking the pathway that he has set before us. He has gone before us. He is walking with us. And he is fixing all the, the mess we make behind us so we can count on him. We, we can just enjoy the process. So hopefully be encouraged, but it's based on what we already know, what your hand already knows to do. So thanks for tuning in. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, this has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.